Have you ever lost all of your money in less than 24 hours? Keep listening to find out how this happened and how my guest was able to move past this terrible life event and the powerful lesson that you can learn from this as well. You did it. You have found your judgment-free zone, the Her Dinero Matters podcast, a bilingual podcast for women who want to become reinas of their money and love their dinero more. I am your host, Jen Hemphill, a former extreme frugalist turned reina of your money advocate. Each week, I'm going to help you reign your money like that queen that you are with inspiring interviews and panel discussions from La Comunidad Latina and with solo episodes sharing simple, actionable tips and strategies. Thanks for spending some time with me today. And now let's jump into today's Dose of Money Confidence. Hola, Reina. Hi, Queen. How is it going? This is Jen Hempel, your host, and I am thrilled you are here and I'm excited for you to meet today's guest. Before I do that, I want to make sure that you stay to the very end as I have a special announcement and invitation for you. Now, Today's guest is Angie Carrillo. She is a visionary entrepreneur, philanthropist, and business coach. After founding two companies in Silicon Valley, Angie went to travel the world while working as an advisor for top tech companies and meeting leading spiritual teachers. Angie realized to drive evolution, we require combining spirituality, science, and technology. Originally from Peru, she is on a mission to level up the playing field for an inclusive future. She is the host of the bilingual show, Going Forward Podcast. Angie's a graduate of the Singularity University, Draper University, Tecnológico de Monterrey, and UC Berkeley. McKinsey and Company awarded Angie as one of the next generation women leaders of 2019. She is a contributor to publications like Thrive Global, Hacker News, and Business.com. In today's episode, you're going to hear the number one reason why startups fail, as well as an important and practical business secret not taught in business school, and ways to know if your business needs venture capital funding, and some tips to keep in mind when working with investors for your business. Lista, vamos a conocer this reina of her money. Bienvenida, Angie. I am so thrilled to have you here. Oh, thank you so much, Jen. I'm so happy to be here. Yes, we connected recently and one, we had some several things in common. One being that you are from Peru and it's a country that I hold dear to my heart. So we had that. And then you're also an entrepreneur, just a Latina that's really out there doing things. And I love that. And I wanted to start off with your money story. So take us back in time where maybe you're a little girl or a teen and tell us what things did you hear, see, experience that has to do with money? Yeah. So what it comes to mind is one of the stories that shaped me and shape my family the most. And it was when we lost all our money in less than 24 hours. So we were robbed and it was all digitally. So, and we could not find who did it, but my mom was working at the government back then and she was being threatened by some, you know, mafia institutions. And we believe that they 
rob our money in less than 24 hours and left all our bank accounts blank from different bank accounts, from different banks, and it was all in zero. We literally just had $20 that my mom had in her pocket. And it was just me, my mom, and my grandma. And my mom was the only one working. And I remember she coming back from work and we cried because we didn't know what we were going to do. So we cried all night. And the next day, my best friend was leaving to the United States. She was pursuing the American dream. And it was the last day that I was going to see her. But I thought, you know, like, oh my God, we're in this situation right now. I'm not going to go. Like, I'm just going to like cry myself to sleep again and just feel sorry for myself. But what happened the next day, it's something that I've always taken into my life. And it's one of the greatest lessons that my mom has given me to myself. And it's the next day she wakes up and she tells me, why are you not ready? We're going to the beach, right? And, and I was like, what? I'm like, no, we just cried all night yesterday. Like I'm in my bed. Like, no, I'm not going anywhere. We don't have money. We cannot even go and, you know, buy ice cream anymore. And she was like, we won't need to buy ice cream. Take water, take a sandwich from here. We will just not buy things there, but we will go. And I look at her and I was like, what? And I was like, okay. So I changed myself. We went and we had the best day ever. Like we forgot completely that we were broke that we didn't have any money. And we went there, we had an amazing time. And then she taught me this lesson. No matter what happened, the next day is always a new day. And you don't need money to have fun and live a great and amazing life. That day at the beach, I realized that to have joy in my life, I just needed myself. I just needed probably the people next to me. But this was a great experience for me to then have higher risks in my life where I could lose it all or win a lot. And then I wouldn't care anymore if I could lose it all again, because I knew that I can always come back because there is another a bright new day. I love that. Now, tell us, how old were you when this happened? So I was around 10 years old. I was about to go to a preppy high school. The preppy high school didn't happen anymore. We didn't have any savings for my university. We didn't have any savings for my school. For me, it was like, okay, I have to downgrade to a, a different school. And I have to study very hard. So that day, what really happens, it, it was that me and my mom, we became a team. Instead of looking at her like she was uh, my mom. I started looking at her like she was my friend and she was my teammate. She needed to go to work and applied for loans, which she has never done before that day. And I had to go to school and get good grades so I can eventually apply for a scholarship because that's the only way that I could gain education in, in that moment, right? So that's what we did. The next day, you know, like she went and applied for loans and I went and applied for applications of scholarships. I ended up earning 
all my education with the scholarships uh, without any debts, which is amazing. And she ended up recovering from that and turning herself into a millionaire. Like her story is amazing, but today we're going to focus on how as an entrepreneur, you know, like we can turn these lows into a really good story and a really good opportunity for you to look beyond. So if I didn't lose that money, if my family didn't lose that money, I wouldn't have even applied to scholarships because I, I thought that was not necessary. But I was limiting myself because when I applied to scholarships here in Peru, I got like 50% scholarships, something like that. But when I applied abroad, because of this story and because of my will and goals, I got a full scholarship abroad. And you would imagine that it would be cheaper for me to stay here in Peru and study here, but it was actually cheaper for me to go abroad to a better school. And this ended up taking me not only to Mexico, but to the United States as well and study in Tecnológico Monterrey in Mexico and in UC Berkeley, one of the top five schools in the world. So if this wouldn't have happened, then I wouldn't have had all the other education opportunities that I had later on. I love it. And some things that I'm taking from what you're saying is one is that it's okay if you lose, you know, your mom lost everything and how she was able to just come back a stronger and bigger. And so for you, that cemented or put a seed in you that, okay, if this happens, it's okay, because I will recover. Where some of us may not have that, some of us definitely have some hard, challenging lessons in life, or things that happen that we learn from and others, maybe not as hard, or maybe it didn't hit as hard, right? And the other thing that you mentioned that I thought was powerful is you weren't afraid to raise your voice and share that story. You weren't afraid to say, hey, this happened and we came back stronger than ever. You weren't afraid to say we lost money where some people may not want to bring that up. They might not want to bring that up because it's they feel shame or, or guilt, but you weren't afraid to raise that voice, which I found so wonderful that you were able to share that story, raise your voice and get that scholarship money abroad. And now tell us what happened next, because you went abroad to study, and eventually you landed in Silicon Valley. Tell us how that trajectory happened in terms of um, what did you study, and how did that lead to what you're doing today? Before we continue, I have a quick message for you. Her Dinero Matters is brought to you by First Republic Bank. The world is changing and your needs are evolving. As your focus turns to what matters most to you and your community, First Republic remains committed to offering personalized financial solutions that fit your needs. From day one, you'll be connected with a dedicated banker who will serve as your primary point of contact throughout your relationship with the bank. They'll be there to listen to you, understand your values, and meet you on your financial journey. Your banker can offer solutions that support your goals at any stage, from setting up a personal checking account to refinancing household debt to buying a first home. As your needs evolve, 
you can call or email your banker at any time for the support you need because First Republic believes what matters to you matters most. Learn more at firstrepublic.com. That's firstrepublic.com. Member of FDIC, equal housing lender. So I studied business administration because I knew the only thing that I knew that I wanted to do is that I don't want to work for the government. Because <laughs> <my laughs> of what was, happened. <laughs> because of what happened, like it was very serious. You're a public person, right? Like like how much money you make, it's just, everything's shown, you know, like publicly because you're part of the state. So I was like, I want to have a private company. That's the only thing that I wanted, right? So I studied business administration. It was great. I learned a lot. But actually, what I've learned more was when I was in the trenches, when I started my first company and with all the mistakes that that came with, right? So I was there in Silicon Valley. I went to, I went there to live there twice. Back in 2010, when I was studying at Berkeley, this, the whole, you know, tech scene was just starting. We were not there, the, the big Facebooks and, and, Google, it wasn't as big as it was back in 2015 when I came back. I came back because I had just quit my job and I started this new business. I started teaching girls to code. So I had this great curriculum and great partnerships with institutions from the United States. And I was like, okay, so I think I have something here. But if I could just you know, raise enough money so I could make it bigger, then, you know, like, I don't need that much money. I'm going to go and raise money for this coding bootcamp to Silicon Valley and then come back and make it bigger. I wanted to go and conquer, you know, like all the countries with my coding bootcamp in Latin America. But when I arrived to Silicon Valley, I realized that my model, the business model, the the model of a coding bootcamp that is that you take in uh, students and then they paid now or later, it wasn't a model that it was very innovative. And there were a lot of other companies already doing it in Latin America. So I started, you know, having the itch of what were these business models that they would require funding and that would be more attractive for investors and, you know, what would be the difference? So I remember sitting with one of the top venture capitalists in the world in Silicon Valley. And he telling me, you know like what? I love you. I love your energy. I love your passion. I just don't see it with this business model. Because if you want to impact billion people, or if you want to impact, you know, more than that, then you cannot replicate yourself. You cannot replicate yourself as the teacher that is so passionate that is teaching all these girls to code. And even if you can train more trainers, this model is not replicable. And I remember sitting down with that and, and because I wasn't asking that much money. So it wasn't that I wasn't, and I was asking someone that believed in the same dream than me that it was making education affordable. So it's not that I was asking a lot of money 
It was not that I was asking to the wrong person. It was that I had the wrong business model. So I started asking myself, well, how can I learn? You know, like, how can I actually learn? What are the business models that will allow me to have more impact with my life? And, and that took me, you know, to different kind of businesses. And eventually, what I realized, it was that there's, of course, one type of business model that will suit you best with your personality. That is not what in business school they teach you. They teach you that, oh, this is the business model. You have to make profits like this. And this is it. But actually, there's so many business models right now that you have to find one that suits you best with your personality. Are you an introvert? Are you an extrovert? Are you both? And are you an ambivert? And, and depending on do you want to make profits right now or are you going towards type of company that is ahead 10 years and will make profits back then when the a solution or when a tech software is already released. And for that, you know, you would need in one type of business model, you will need money right away. And for others, you can first have the product market fit and then you will be able to raise money. So a lot of mistakes that I see that people do is that they think the startups fail just because they run out of money. But actually, the number one reason why startups fail is because there's no market need. And I would say that there's no market need because there's not, not only product market fit, but there's not founder product market fit. So is this the company that will suit you best depending on your personality or not? So sometimes what I've seen, and my mom was telling me about her friend that she has this type of business, and I was asking her some questions, and I noticed that she was a very introvert person, but she was going and, you know, like doing events of meeting with real people, and that's why she had to cap it to a very limited people per session that she did, because If you're an introvert and you are doing an extroverted job, that's basically you're shooting yourself in the foot. So it's be going one step before and asking yourself, is this business model really suited for my strengths? Because that's how a business that you create would be the business that you will love and loves you back. Because otherwise you will drain all your energy into a business that might not be suited for your personality. Love it. So for you listening right now and and you are in business or thinking of starting up a business and you're looking into some um, venture capital, this is some great stuff. So basically from what I'm getting, Angie, is that one, you need to make sure there's a market. That's because you mentioned that's where a lot of startups fail. Two, Consider your business model into with what your integrate that with your not integrate it, but consider your personality and your strengths when you're thinking about the business model. Did I miss anything? Yeah, I think first, yes, there has to be a market need. You have to consider your personality in order to find that 
founder product market fit. But we are usually so focused on the product and we fall in love with our... Before we jump into today's content, keep your ears peeled for a unique reveal I'll be sharing midway through the show. It's something special just for you. Your solution as entrepreneurs. And then we think, oh my God, our solution is so unique. It's so great that, of course, other people would want to go and back it up. But we haven't asked. We haven't asked the market. And we haven't had that first, you know, like knowing that the market is asking us for this, right? So sometimes you would need to test and reframe and redo at the at the beginning of the stages in entrepreneurship and that's the part that I absolutely love before you find your product market fit before you find investment or or anything that's the part that I absolutely love but because it requires a lot of creativity and iteration and that's the part that I like to help more entrepreneurs with Love it. And I was just going to say, so that is the part that you really focus on with your business. Love, love. Now, one thing that I've been noticing uh, recently is that with venture capital, I've and, and maybe I've seen recently because I'm looking for it and more aware of it. I'm not sure because <laughs> sometimes it's when you buy a car, all of a sudden you see the same car over and over again. It's that type of thing. But one thing I've been noticing a lot uh, recently is venture capital or events or things of the sort for the Hispanic community or the Latino community. So I'm curious with Latinas, with Las Mujeres, what are you seeing or what have you seen? Have you seen an increase of Latinas asking for venture capital or because I know there's like a call for like, yes, we want to help you, but are you seeing an increase of that or are you seeing our are we still a little, are we still fearful? Because sometimes we're lacking that confidence. What are you seeing these days? So what I remember by the stats is that less than 1% of venture capital goes to Latino-owned businesses. So I think that now we're getting a little bit more aware that that's a possibility and that we can raise money through investors, but not all businesses need to raise money. And I believe that when you are approaching an investor, it has to be way more than just because of the money. Because then it's like you're sharing your pie, you're sharing your company, and you want to be sharing it with people that are strategically will going to help you with more than just the money. And that will believe in you as a lead entrepreneur that we take this company forward. Because what happens? And what I see is that a lot of entrepreneurs lose control of their own company. So you're creating a company because you want to see, depending on the type of your personality, you're see you're mission-based. That means that you want to see some good in the world and it goes beyond any money. You're opportunity-based or you see an opportunity in the market and you want to address that quickly or you're legacy-based, you're creating something beyond, you know, like your family and you want to leave something for your family. Or you might be actually just looking for freedom. And if you're freedom-based, then you have to be very aware with the contracts that you're signing. Because at some point, 
whatever is the goal with you for this business, you're sharing the pie. And something that I've seen is that a lot of entrepreneurs would overshare their pie. And eventually, after all these venture rounds and after all this, the dissolution, it would end up them for them to have less than 5% of their company in the end. So you went from having 100% pie, but with each round, you gave ideally 20% or even more. And that's why it affects you in the long term. So in the short term, you might be just focusing on, I need money. I need money to survive. But you really have to see it if in the long term it will be helpful for you or not. Because the pie goes quickly if you're oversharing the pie at a lower valuation or a lower cap and before you even do a valuation. And then what you end up having is that you're just the figure that is smiling, you know, at all these press events, but behind closed doors, you don't own much of the pie anymore. So I really like that founders protect themselves before going into the venture route. And also be very strategic on what are the investors that will help you beyond the money will help you with the connections that are the right investor for your company that are aligned with your values because eventually they will ask you to sell the company. How do you think investment uh, works and they need to make a return? So that piece of the pie that they have or somebody else's buy, like, or you buy it yourself, but they will have to see a return. You have to see this as a business, right? So how you're going to make money for them starts becoming also one of your core activities that you have to see. Like how I'm going to make a return for my investors, how I'm going to make, you know, like an exit strategy for them. So I, before I thought that that was the route that I wanted to go for all my companies that I eventually would have. But what I realized is that making a business profitable is easier than what we think. And sometimes for the model that we want, and depending on if we're freedom, mission, opportunity, or legacy-based, we can make it profitable and then think if we want some investors to join us or not. Because once we're profitable, when we have that cash going, the need to raise money by a certain amount of time is less and less. Instead, we can be more strategic and say no to certain opportunities and just saying yes to the ones that are completely 100% aligned. Oh my goodness. Well, I this is a completely new area for me. So this I've learned so much. And I have two more questions because I could, I think we can go on and on before we wrap it up. The first question I wanted to ask is, I know you mentioned that not all businesses need to raise money. So how do you know what is a business that needs to raise money and go into this venture capital realm? And what is a business that doesn't? So it's basically, if can you make profit? So for example, you're starting a, an online education course, right? For that, you don't need to raise money, but you may think, Angie, I need money. You know, like I don't have the money to, to start this 
business. Then for that, I I say that there are great opportunities for any diverse entrepreneurs, just like the scholarships that I applied when I was a kid. There are also free grants for people, just like the one that you had, Jen, with with this other... Latina mentors. Yeah, with Latina mm-hmm. mentors. I think, you know, sometimes we think that we need so much money to start, but we forget that Sarah Blakely, she started Spanx with $5,000. And that's all we need, you know, like to, to start. We don't need to pay expensive PR from the very, very beginning. We don't need, we just need to start selling and making money. And it's so interesting because we think that we need so much more money for marketing, for ads, for those things. And I really like the story of Sarah Blakely because she started with word of mouth marketing. And we don't see that anymore because we think that now in a social media infused world, if we don't spend on ads, if we don't spend on marketing, then we will not be able to sell. So back to your question on what would make one business, you know, being able to go to the venture back route and not being able to, to, I would say that it really depends on you, on the business and your connections, of course. If you have the connections, if you have these investors available at your hand, then why not use them if they are completely aligned 100% to what you're doing? Second, if your personality is you're a little more extroverted or you like working with people, then working with investors will be also good for you because it's, it's like a selling job. You would have to go and meet with a lot of them and you know tell them about your new project and you will face a lot of rejection or a lot of, yes, right, not right now, maybe, you know, like so, but it's, it's like making a lot of conversations with a lot of people. So if you are an extroverted person, I would say, okay, you know, like maybe this is, or if you have someone that is a little bit more extroverted in your team, then I would say, yes, you can go. And if you're planning for a product that will require a lot of time in development before it's ready, before it can make money, then that's another good indicator that you will have more success with the venture back route. But if you're an introvert or an ambivert like me, if you're an introvert and you're planning to do your course online or something online, It's never been cheaper to use the technology so you can start making money now. So the technology now is very cheap for even if you are using some high tech like artificial intelligence or and you don't need that much money to really start and get through. So before it used to be only the big companies that could innovate with these high end technologies. And before, it was only available through the route of investment and through venture capital that you could do so. But now, with the grants, with making money early, with planning ahead and having a business blueprint for yourself, according to your personality, then you can make these steps easier with a lower barrier for you to do it without investment of someone else. 
I would I would say that it's not that investment is good or bad. I think when it's aligned, it's great because it adds way more resources for you. But when it's not aligned, when you're just compromising your values or compromising what you believe and the vision for your own company just to get the money in the door, that's a good indicator that this particular deal is not for you. Awesome. This is such good information. Now, the last question that I wanted to ask you is you mentioned that typically you see a lot of businesses give away too much when they're going into this venture capital route give away too much of their money. So is there a certain type of guidance or maybe it's the answer just depends in terms of what percentage should you quote unquote give away when you're in those negotiations for the venture capital? Well, it really depends on the industry, right? And depends on where you are at the moment. When, when I, for example, I went through an advice Entrepreneur, I advise entrepreneurs also in Latin America. And in Silicon Valley, the valuations are very high up. And when they go to Silicon Valley and then go back to Latin America, the Latin American investors might be like, no, we cannot respect these valuations. You know, like uh, your company, it's valued differently there. Or they would say that the valuations in Silicon Valley are just too high up, you know? So when they go back, Sometimes what I see is that for the next round, they would have to give away too much of their own capital to keep pushing forward the company, right? So I would say that you would before you start fundraising, your fundraising journey, you would have to see the whole timeline of how many rounds do you think it would take. And usually it takes like, you know, like double the time that you're thinking that you would get to the... Um, so it really depends, but a good roll of thumb, you know, it could be l- less than 20% is per round is what you should be aiming for. But if you're in the early stage, planning for that ahead, it will let you to realize, okay, so I can only do four rounds or I can only do three rounds. And for that means that each round have to be two years apart because otherwise if I raise every single year money that means in three or four years I'm out of money right and so it really depends on your burn rate it really depends on the industry that you're at I've I work in industries so with a huge timeline like biotechnology that it would take over 10 years or 15 years to make a reality a product or I've also worked on education and that would take you know like a couple years to make the product real um, and up and going so it really depends I don't think venture capital is is necessary for everyone if you're just if you have big goals that you have to go through that route and that's the only option no because what I've learned is in my path is that it really is up to you. You are in control. And this is something that we talk also with Jen in my podcast going forward in the episode that we have with her. And when you are being in control, if that's in your personal finances or in your business finances, 
then you will make the best decisions and you'll feel that you are your own best guide. And for companies, there's no one that can tell you, you know, like, oh, you have to raise X amount of money or this is an internal exercise that you and your team would have to do and be very clear before even starting the company and going to the venture funding, if that's the route that you want to go. Oh my goodness. So I have learned so much about this, Angie. This has been fantastic. I know we've just pretty much skimmed the surface in this area of what you do and in the area of venture capital, but I I think we got a good start on that. So thank you so much and for sharing your story as well on the podcast, because that was impactful. But I know that for you listening right now, I'm sure you have more questions, especially if your ears perked up when we were talking about venture capital. I know I will have the link of how to get in touch with her in the show notes, because she obviously is full of knowledge in this area. So thank you so much, Andy, for Angie, for being here for the conversation. And we'll have to connect soon. And for those of you listening, the episode that I did with her is live at this very moment. So definitely check that out at Going Forward Podcast. So thank you so much, Angie. Oh my goodness. I hope you learned as much as I did from Angie about dealing with investors for your business and how to really know if venture capital funding is the way to go when starting your business. It is fascinating and motivating to know that even if you are not ready to have investors, but are ready to start your business, you can find a business model that will work for you right now. Remember, the important thing is to get started, but it is always a bonus to get started the way that best aligns with your values and personality. If you love this episode and love learning all these business tips from Angie, make sure to connect with her on Instagram and LinkedIn at Angie Carrillo R and visit her website at AngieCarrillo.com. And of course, all those links will be in today's show notes. Now, remember I told you at the beginning of this episode that I had a special invite for you. If you have been a fan of this podcast for a while, I wanted to make sure you knew about the Her Dinero Power Circle. If you are looking to surround yourself with like-minded mujeres because you want some inspiration and motivation, this is perfect for this. For only $9.97 a month, you will have access to Reina community. Our monthly Dinero and Cafecito chats are going to be so much fun where we have game nights or book clubs or Q&As, episode discussions, and you are also able to participate in planning the topics of the podcast. How fun is that? And as a part of the power circle, you will have special VIP discounts for different things that come up and special announcements before anyone else. You can check out the details and enroll over at jenhempill.com forward slash power circle. You aren't tied into a special contract because goodness, I don't like those personally. And you can cancel at any time. Plus, because you managed to hear this, at the very end, you stay to the very end, you can use a coupon code FANS only for $5 off your first month. So get to it, jenhempill.com forward slash power circle. Next week, I have prepared a super empowering episode for 
all of you, Reinas, about a topic that I know is important to us, and it's centered around Latina Equal Pay Day. What we're doing is we're going to take a stroll down history lane. Get it? Memory lane, history lane. You see what I did there? So if you are not subscribed to this podcast, meaning you have not hit the subscribe button or the follow button or some sort of check mark, it all looks different on each podcast app. Make sure you do so you don't miss it. That is it. Eso es todo. Thank you so much for taking time to tune into this show. I know there's a lot of podcasts to choose from, but you chose this one and I am grateful. Also, remember, being a reina of your money simply starts with claiming it. And that starts now. So I believe in you and so should you. If you love this podcast or love this episode, I would love, love it if you share it with someone you care about and take a screenshot or a selfie, tag us on in your Instagram stories with at Matters with the one thing you love about the podcast or a specific episode. Bueno pues, that is everything y nos hablaremos el próximo jueves. Chao.